Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'm going to get back to the Toronto Starlight right now. You can call 314 3679 or 1 800 925 1120 with your questions, concerns, or comments. Thanks for having me on your show and give a call. And we can talk about plant selection. I've got my pansies, I've hit them underneath my Mugo Pine. So I could just look at the flowers for a little bit longer because I know this warmer weather is just going to extend them. But how about your annuals? New annuals? How about bulbs? Your spring bulbs? You should be cutting that foliage back by now. Your edibles, ground cover, houseplants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but remember my answers, comments, and opinions are certainly not the only garden path to take. And it's strictly offered as an option. Matt is producing again today. So when you call, just give Matt your name and where you're calling from, and you'll get on the list. During the week, I do landscape consulting, where I come over to your home, and we can discuss things that you have concerns with. And I'll keep my eyes, ears, nose, whatever open for an aesthetic situation that maybe you've missed or a problem-solving circumstance. So you can contact me and by going to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. The homepage, that's where my email address is and my phone number. Today, after the show, I'm headed out to Twin Oaks. Where's Twin Oaks? Well, Twin Oaks is where 141 and Big Ben intersect. So for my a walk and talk out there. So during the walk and talk, I share 40-plus years of experience related to landscape design, plants, and care and maintenance. Now, a special recognition, which is the tip of the trowel, that's made an impression, an impression on me, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trowel today goes out to the North American Lily Society. They, they are very pleased to hold their annual lily show in St. Louis this year. You're going to see hundreds of lilies from all over Canada and the U.S., plus a competitive floral design around St. Louis themes and a photography exhibit as well. And attendees will get to see brand new lily hybrids. This is going to be very colorful and very, a lot of the lilies are quite fragrant. And the show is free, open to the public, and it's at the Sheridan Westport Chalet Hotel. And that's at Westport Plaza. And that's going to be June 30th to July 2nd. And on Friday, the Lily Show is open to the public from 2 to 5, Saturday 9 to 5, and Sunday 9 to 3. The North American Lily Association show is being held in a different is held in a different city in U.S. or Canada each year. And this year, they're in a partnership with the Missouri Botanical Garden. And something a little bit different for the tip of the trial, the Straight Group, that's S-T-R-A-I-T, they, they're having this used shoe drive. It's called Souls, S-O-L-E-S, for the number four, Souls, S-O-U-L-S. 
And what this is is a local group, a local company that's collecting used shoes. So, you know, you have a pair of shoes you really don't care for anymore, or even if they don't have to be garden shoes, they don't have to be anything special. And if you'd like to donate them, you can actually do this. There is, you can take your used shoes to this warehouse location. It's 2300 Marconi Avenue, Suite B. And that's St. Louis, Missouri, 63110. So that's probably in the Hill neighborhood. So if you'd like more information on this, again, soles for the soles. So these are used shoes you're not wearing anymore for whatever reason. You bought them and you went, why in the world did I ever buy these? You can donate them, and then these are distributed across the world. So more information, you can go to 314-662-8080, also straight www.straightstraitstraightgroup.com slash home slash html. So donate those shoes that you're no longer wearing. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, out to St. Peter's we go and into Dave's yard. Dave, how are you today? Hi there. Hi. Hi. I've got the Bonide weed killer, the organic weed killer. Uh-huh. And when I opened up the package, there seems to be, you know, a, a hundred different recipe recipes for how to mix it. You know what I mean? No, not really. Uh, okay. So if you look down the instructions, they'll tell you the dilution rate. Okay. For every weed in existence. <laughs> it, well, I'm not a horticulturist, and I right. can't identify the weeds. Is there a standard mixture, you know, three to one, four to one that you use for that? I would say just go down the list real quickly, and whichever one is repeated most often, that's the one I would do. Okay. That's <laughs> the easiest way. All right. Because what they're much. saying is, like, violets or clover is going to be, needs a little bit more kick action than something right. like, you know, so that's what it's all about. This is just around my flower garden. And they're growing so well, and I had hand-pulled out all the weeds, and then we had that rain a couple, three weeks ago, and they all came back. And I'm just not in the mood to hand-pull them out again. Right, so I understand. trying to make sure I don't kill my hostess. Yeah, just, you know, make sure you don't get it on the foliage and just, you know, read down and whichever, you know, the amount, one tablespoon per gallon or whatever it happens to be, just use that amount. Fantastic. Thank you. Yep. And uh, now let's jump from St. Peter's all the way over to Belleville and go into Joe's yard. Joe, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? Very good. Uh, maybe I'm worrying prematurely, but my zoysia grass is not coming up yet. And the old brown grass, I guess, from previous years is kind of chunky and clumpy and twisted from, you know, I guess a lot more going over it. I didn't know whether... Uh, because of the heavy rains, we're having some problems with uh, zoysia this year. Your zoysia, if it's not greening up at all, that's some real trouble. Now, there is a major disease that's wiping out huge areas of zoysia called zoysia decline. They haven't really figured out exactly what the source of the problem is. But if was your lawn, how old is your lawn? Let's put it that way. Well, half of it is since I bought the house, so it's 30 or 40 years. And then about two years ago, I had some new zoysia put in a you know pretty good area, and that right. worked out pretty good for a couple of years. Uh, now, I, like I said, I just thought by now, so it should be greening up by Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Right? It should be pretty darn green by now. And if it's right. not, it's not going to green up. 
So I'd get a lawn service out there to take a look at it. And you can go to, you know, Effinger's Garden Center, see who they recommend or if you have a lawn service. But, you know, power racking, dethatching, fertilizing, coriation, all that stuff is, you know, people, you know, in the days of old really didn't do too much to Zoiza. Uh, you know, Aunt Cleo and Uncle Ernest, they lived in South City. They had Zoiza, but they at that time were able to burn it every year. So they got rid of the fungus. They got rid of all kinds of thatch and everything else. We can't burn anymore. So that's where the problems have come in. So it wouldn't help to power rake it? It would probably, it's not, well, you could power rake it, but if it hasn't greened up virtually at all or hardly at all or very little, then it's not going to recover. Great. Thanks for the good news. (laughs) Anyway, okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, Yeah, like I tell many people, if uh, there's not too much you can do, except maybe put on a pair of rose-colored glasses and just don't look down when you're walking around. But, uh, you know, it's a tragic circumstance. But the Zoises, we keep thinking it's low care. It is not really low care. It's just, you know, if you don't care for it, it's going to go downhill. So, anyway, thanks, Joe. Sorry. Good luck with that. And uh, now let's go to Terry in South St. Louis. Hi, Terry. Hey, Mike. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Sure. Um, just got a quick question about, about uh, vegetable uh, plants. Um, I grow uh, bell peppers, mm-hmm. and I put them in uh, five-gallon buckets because of the size of my yard. It's a lot of concrete, so I use uh, a miracle Grow uh, moisture control soil with some topsoil. And every year I have a really good yield, but this year uh, my plants are coming up with a lot of brown spots, and they're, and they're yellowing a lot more than, than normal. And I was wondering if I, I've kind of researched this, and it looks like it needs, possibly needs some magnesium and calcium uh, with a a lime plant mixture. Um, So I'm just curious of what your thoughts are, what I should do, and and what possibly the problem could be. It could be a physical problem. So in other words, you know, South City may have had a light hail that just damaged that. Look on the underside of the leaf to make sure there's nothing that's, you know, hanging on there because that's where a lot of the problems are with the insects. But I would say toma- or, you know, peppers are in the tomato family. So get, a, you know, a fertilizer for tomatoes and use that because that's going to give you the nutrients that you may be lacking. Okay, so Miracle uh, Grow all-purpose plant food, would that work? No, I would get one specifically for the tomatoes. All-purpose plant food may not have the magnesium. It may not have the calcium. It may not have the things that the tomato plant food does. It's going to okay. come in the same size box. It's miracle Grow. just says tomato food. Okay, so, but, so I've got some lime uh, plant mix specifically for that from Pennington. Should I not use that? I would be a little cautious because you may put too much on unless, you know, it says specifically how much, you know, to put in for uh, you know, a five-gallon container. Okay, and then they also suggested possibly spraying the leaves. But that's not going to help if you don't have, you know, let's say, if you don't know there's an insect there, you don't see the insect, that's no, not going to help. And then if it's a fungicide, if it's a fungus problem, then you had to spray before the spotting started showing up. Okay, but I can add it, add it to the soil, though. Yes. Okay. That sounds good. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, and just be cautious if you're, you know, if you're talking about adding anything to the soil that, you know, it's organic that you can use with edibles. That's why I always read and understand the label. Let's go now to Jane, and Jane's in South St. Louis as well. Hi, Jane. 
Hey, good morning, Mike. Uh, listen, uh, on the west side of my patio in my backyard, I have like a very tall vinyl fence, and I would like to border the west side of my patio, which abuts up to that fence, with some type of a tall foliage. It doesn't necessarily have to be a um, one with flowers, but something that might dress up my patio a little bit, and I would leave it in the pots. So it's kind of a more of a shady area than anything else. So, what might you suggest for that? Are you t- how wide is this area you're planning on planting in? Oh, uh, let me see. Oh, the the area is more than wide enough. It's just the length that I wanted to cover. Let's see. I guess it's like sixteen to twenty feet, maybe. Well, you could do a couple different things. You could, you know, so you don't want to plant in the ground at all? No, I want it to stay in the pots, and I would prefer perennial because I think sometimes it's a waste of money for for the annual. Sometimes, you know, you can overdo those. Right. So, <laughs> so that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, there's like. not going to be too many perennials that can take a, sh- you know, that are going to be shade tolerant, that's going to be able yeah. to, you know, create what the the impact of what you want. Okay. So, okay. Now I do get a little of the east sun in the morning on the patio, and then later in the afternoon, it gets the high sun in you know in in that area. So I mean, it's not totally shaded, but it's more shaded than sunny. Yeah. There's again, it's yeah, more shaded than sunny means it's anything you know. Let's say I mean, you could try an ornamental grass if you want to. Like a oh. maiden grass, you know, oh. one of those kind oh. of things. Now they, you know, by keeping them in the pot, every few years you're going to have to pull them out of the pot and chop out the center because the center is going to die out. But right. they're pretty tough. They're pretty durable. Also, you might think about using a type of shrub called Hicks, H-I-C-K-S, Hicks U, that grows straight up narrow, and all you have to do is control the height. Oh, okay. Very good. Yes, I have one of those in the very back okay. of my yard. Yeah, okay. Well, that sounds like a winner. And so, so you might you know, alternate, let's say, a, a type of maiden grass, maybe a variegated type or whatever, with a U, and then another maiden grass with a U, so it doesn't look just so boring. What? Yeah, I really don't want a boring patio. Who wants a boring patio? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, Mike. Well, listen, thanks for your expertise, and have a good one, okay? Sure, you do the very same thing. <laughs> okay, if, thank you. Yeah, if anybody has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. On KMOX. Hey folks, we're going back to Terry, and Terry is asking the questions about Bonide. He's in South St. Louis. Hi, Terry. Hey, Mike. We got cut off, man. I don't know what happened. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't think it was my end, but anyhow, uh, so you were saying um, to refresh, uh, to use the tomato-designated plant food. Yes. Okay. And the buckets, I'm, I wanted to let you know, the buckets I'm using, you know, I've got big holes you know, uh, drilled in all the way around the sure. bottom sides for the drainage because I had my plants outside, you know, several weeks ago to start whenever we had all the rain. Right. So would the, the all that rain, would that could have possibly maybe rotted the roots a little bit? Shouldn't, not if you've got drainage holes. Okay. Only time you get rot root rot is if you have heavy-duty clay soil or you have pots with no holes. 
Okay. See, I don't have either of that either. So, all right. I just wanted to clarify that okay. a little bit with you. But don't don't spray the leaves and just put it into the soil and, and buy some uh, tomato specific uh, plant foods. Right. It'll say right on the box. Okay. That's all I need. All right. Great. Thank you. And now let's go to Rich in Spanish Lake. Hi, Rich. Mike. Yes. I would like to describe to you a, a plant success I had this year. I know you do elephant ears, and I took a three-foot-tall strawberry pot that's got 12 pockets going around wow. it. Wow. And I put thumb-sized elephant ear tubers in each pocket and four of them at the top. And it has all now sprouted out and leafed out, and it is really attractive. I'll bet Some it different is. I've never tried to do it before, but it came out very well. And uh, we all need to know when our successes are appreciated. And this looks really nice. <laughs> well, it sounds I great. Just, I just wanted to describe it to you because uh, uh, I'm kind of proud of how it turned out. Yeah, it's, I, like I said, it sounds wonderful. And, you know, just be careful. I'm assuming this you know, strawberry pot was is a terracotta one clay because you know how big these elephant ear, you know, let's say bulbs get, so it doesn't explode or cause some cracks in your pot. I'm afraid it's going to be tough to take and clean it out this fall. <laughs> That's true, but it does sound fantastic. I like them a lot. I've got uh, two pots with them, and uh, they are really starting to look good themselves. But nothing compared to this. Oh. Okay, no, come and try and send you a picture. Okay, great. Congratulations but- on that. Sounds fantastic. Now let's go from Spanish Lake south to Ellisville and going to Kevin's yard. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Hi. I really appreciate your service. I listen to you often. Um, hey, I, I know you've probably been asked this question a hundred times, but um, I have three uh, relatively large pin oaks in my yard, uh, probably anything from a 24 to a 36-inch caliper on them. Uh, two of them are are just beautiful, uh, just the way you'd want them to look. But the third one, which is, uh, it's not a new tree. I mean, I planted it probably 25 years ago. Um, it's got a lot of those um, galls on it. Right. And um, the leaves on the tree um, are more of a, uh, a gold color Uh-oh. as opposed to the dark green. Right. So the galls, you know, the galls are resulted from or a result of the insect, the wasp laying the eggs and then the eggs hatching and causing that bloated thing as a protective mechanism. But the discoloration on the leaves, that's soil related. So this particular one is, you know, it's lacking iron. It's, you know, the pH is wrong. So you get a soil test done to find out specifically. But if those leaves are not, you know, they're not colored up, that's not a good sign. Okay. All right. Hey, listen, I sure appreciate your service. Sure, and thanks for calling and having me on your show. But, yeah, that discoloration, you know, if, go to your favorite garden center, tell them that you have, you know, iron deficiency. And they should have ferrous sulfate. So, in other words, iron sulfate, read the label and start putting it onto the soil or augering and putting it down. But it's going to take a couple years probably to get these uh, leaves back to a good color. And hopefully you, you're catching it in time. But, yeah, that golden color is not good whatsoever. Now let's go to Carolyn, and she's in Harvester. Hi, Carolyn. Hi there. Hi. Um, I, I wanted to t- first tell you I really appreciate your show. I listen to it a lot. Um, are you there? As far as I know. Okay, sorry. 
Um, okay, we planted an ash tree about five years ago and didn't know anything about girdling roots. And we think that it has a girdling root problem. Um, it also has a bore problem. Yikes. Uh, yeah, and it's it's a, it looks pretty sad, but it is still trying very hard to get a lot of as many leaves as it can. So the question is twofold. Can is there anything that we can do about a girdling root at this point, as old as it is, and can we do anything about the boards? First of all, a girdling root is not all that problematic unless it's wrapped entirely right. around and it can choke the tree. But a tree right. how big was this tree when you put it in? Um, maybe three inches around and now it's maybe Eight inches around. Yeah, that's still um, that. It, that wouldn't be a, enough time for a root to be girdling enough to cause a real problem with this. So there's girdling okay. roots all over the place. I, you know, that's kind of something that really is not all that much trouble. Okay. Now, as far as bores, now do you the bore that basically enters, let's say, an ash tree. For the most part, the holes are going to be in the bottom two feet of the trunk. And they're the size of yeah, pencil. Yeah, they are. And you're seeing, yeah, you're, are. You're seeing frass, in other words, sawdust on the ground? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So you, yeah. Could, you could have a tree service come out, and they'll do an injection in there to get rid of the, you know, to try to control the bores. So that would probably okay. be the best thing you can do. But uh, if it was All emerald right. ash. To, oh, if it was yeah, emerald. I hate to cut it down because it's, it's trying really hard to live, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really afraid I we're going to lose it. So have somebody come out and, and inject it with something? Yeah, it would be actually, you know, they have this thing that will actually control the bores. They inject it into the tree, into the trunk, and then it sends, a let's say, an insecticide through the inside of the tree. And then when the bore okay. moves around or bore eats or whatever, it's going to come and, you know, it's going to be impacted by this and will kill the bores. Okay, okay, all right. Um, I do I have time for one more question? Sure. Okay, I have an elephant ear. Actually, it made me the guy before me made me think of it. We it's the first time we've ever planted one, and we put it in a really big pot, and it is not doing well. Um, the I don't know what's wrong. It's getting new leaves, but the leaves that are there are all like fraying around the edges. Well, if they're fraying, something's eating them. Okay. So that's not the elephant ear. Okay. And elephant ears need, you know, good moisture. I mean, I have mine okay. in big pot or one of the two that I have, and I have a saucer there, and I always keep water in that saucer. So, in other words, it's a big pot, okay. so it's just to kind of keep the soil, let's say, hydrated. It's not necessarily the okay. elephant. And the elephant, you know, elephant ear is going to have huge root systems, you know, that's if you pulled it out now, you'd be probably surprised how big it is. But if the edge of the leaves okay. are fraying, then that's not anything to do with the plant. That's something to do with something that's chewing on it. Okay. Can I spray it with something? Well, look on the underside of leaf. Just to spray for the sake of okay. spraying, don't bother. Because most of the no. insecticides are contact killers. So look on the underside. Look in the early morning. Look at later in the day. See if you can figure out what's, you know, what's actually chewing the leaves. But usually they're pretty insect-free. Yeah, this this looks really really sad. Ooh. So maybe the pot isn't big enough. I don't know. Well, they. I okay. mean, I, how big was the tuber or the bulb when you got it? Was it like the size of a pineapple? Um, 
Yeah, probably. Then probably the big. You only need a, probably a twenty-four inch pot. That would be the maximum okay. size that you really need. You could get one bigger, but you wouldn't have to. Okay. And just you know, fertilize okay. it. You know, keep it watered. That's probably most important, more so than anything else. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you very much for your time. Sure. And also, any of the leaves that look ugly, get rid of them. Cut them off. Okay. Just cut them off. Okay. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> if it's going to cause you agony, it's not worth it. If it's, if it's a healthy tuber and it's not rotted or anything else, it'll keep pushing out leaves. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, we got about 10 more minutes of the Garden Hotline, so if you have any questions or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Matt will answer the phone. You just need to give him your name and where you're calling from. And if you happen to be in a car, you don't have to say, well, I'm at 270. You know, all you have to do is say you can, in your car. That's fine. But anyway, then at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Adam Bold, 11 o'clock, Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. And at 1225, the Cardinals pregame show with Alex Ferrero. So let's go back to the phones. Beth lives in South County. Hi, Beth. Hello. Hi, Beth. Oh, hi. This is Lisa. Oh, Lisa. <laughs> Good morning. Thanks, Mike, for your show. Not really. you dirty rat. Um, Quick question. Um, I have a flower garden that's kind of growing against a fence in the back of my yard. It's Mm -hmm. full of things. It's daylilies, hydrangeas, azaleas, iris. My problem is I'm getting all of this um, poison ivy. Kill the poison ivy, but I I don't want to kill. I've got so many plants and flowers. What is the best way to attack that? Yeah. (sighs) Honestly, would be to pull all the good plants out. And, you know, store them in pots or whatever, or a new bed space, and then go after the poison ivy. But if you've got poison ivy and you're seeing it as rampant, it's got a very extensive root system, and it's going to take multiple years of even using an herbicide for killing poison ivy that you paint directly onto the leaves. So if you want to be that patient, what you can do is just get Roundup. It'll say Roundup for woody plants. It'll say poison ivy killer plus blah, 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 and then just go out there with gloves on or whatever it happens to be, and paint you know, paint as many of the poison ivy leaves as you can. But other than that, you're going to have to pull out the good stuff and then move it to a different location and then go after the poison ivy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's not going to be fun. Because I have azaleas and things that are, I mean, huge, that are four feet tall. I mean, right. things that can really so move. Yeah, you can't do that. So uh, you're going to have to go out there or pay some, you know, pay somebody to you know, paint Roundup on, and not just regular Roundup for woody plant poison ivy killer on okay, the leaves, and yeah. it's going to be years to get rid of it. Uh, so, like, just crushing the leaves or something to help it sort of soak in with that. Yeah, that helps some, but it's still. I mean, poison ivy has a huge root system. Okay, I think I'm in trouble. Yes. <laughs> Did you consider selling your home? <laughs> well, there are those days, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why I'm saying this is when my family first moved to Ellisville in the mid-50s, there was an agricultural area right behind our backyard. And consequently, there was poison ivy rampant. And so this is way back in the mid-50s. So herbicides and all that other stuff. But what my, you know, my father ultimately had was this farmer with a plow come through there, and he plowed up all this area where the poison ivy was. And even I can remember this because I'm highly allergic to it, how much root system there was 
you know, with this poison ivy. And if, you know, it's really brutal. Now, another thing you can do is go out and, you know, cut off, find out where the poison ivy is coming up out of the ground, cut Mm -hmm. off like a two-foot trunk or stump, and then paint that roundup directly onto that after you cut it. But still, it's going to be a long time before you eradicate it entirely. The problem is my neighbor, which is right on the other side of the fence, had some mulch and stuff dropped. This was a couple years ago. And I believe, I never had poison ivy before then, and I think it's from the neighbor's yard is where it's coming from. It certainly could be. But poison ivy produces fruit, Mm -hmm. and, you know, some crazy birds or something could eat it, then come and sit on your fence, go to the bathroom, and that could have been the starting of it. Yeah, well, I can trace it through my fence into the other yard multiple multiple (laughs) times. Well, if you can see, if if you, she doesn't mind, go on her side and try to control it from that side. Because if that's where it's coming up out of the ground, that's going to be a better opportunity than trying to go, you know, from your side. All righty, sounds like some work ahead. You one aren't other kidding. Quick, one other quick question. I'm not sure if you know. Is there is there anything you can put into like bird baths or fountains that can kind of keep down, um, you know, the growth of moss and stuff or or um, mosquitoes in your fountains and in your uh, bird baths. Best thing you can do is just put new yeah. fresh water in it on a regular basis. Okay. Because if you put stuff like bleach or something in, you know, that's not really so good for the birds. Right. No, I want to be safe for the yeah, animals. So just, you know, dump the water on a regular basis. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you so much. Yep. Good luck with that and bad luck, you know, bad luck having that poison ivy circumstance. Now we're headed to Fenton and that's where Mick lives. Hi, Mick. Good morning, sir. How are you? Very good. Hey, uh, we have we just planted a couple of elephant ears and a majesty palm that we that we're keeping on our patio for the season. Sure. We don't have room or the light in our home to bring those in in the winter. Do I just need to dig them up and can I keep them alive? If you don't have any place to put them in the inside of your house, other than building a greenhouse in the inside of your garage, there's not too much you can do. Now, the elephant ears, you can just pull those up out of the ground, you know, when the season's over, you know, and chop the leaves off, and then there'll be a bulb, and you can just take that bulb and put it in your basement. You don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to leave it in a pot or anything. That's what I've started to do the last couple years. But the palm tree, there's nothing you can do. The palm, there's nothing to do. Other than putting it in a pot and bringing it inside your house. Like I said, the elephant ears, you're just going to end up with this thing like the size of a a pineapple, let's say. And you just put it in a cardboard box with some newspaper if you have a couple of them so they don't lay against each other. And that's all you need to do. And then replant them in the spring. Exactly. Right. They'll pop back up. Man, I just hate losing those big elephant ears every year. Yeah. There's not too much you can do. Take a selfie, and then when you're feeling sad, you just pull the selfie out. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, sir. Yeah. Enjoy the weekend. Sure. And you do the same thing. But, I mean, they're going to get big every year, so you don't have to worry too much about that. Let's go now to Creepcore. And, Diana, how are you? Good. I have a quick question for you. Um, the house that I live in, I've been there about 10 years. When I moved there, there was a lilac tree in the side yard. It was really nice. Well, then it started to get a little mixed in with some honeysuckle. There's no lilacs there now. And I hate the honeysuckle. Should I just chop the whole thing down? (laughs) You could do that, but probably you're going to have to dig up the honeysuckle shrub. So in other words, I'm assuming you're talking the shrub as as versus the honeysuckle vine. No, it's not the vine. It's, it's definitely, so it's a shrub. I mean, it's, 
Yeah. It's like it's almost like a tree. Yeah, and the, they definitely get, I mean, they can get pretty huge trunks on them. They're not going to get massive like an oak tree or something, but they're going to get 8 to 10 feet high and 8 to 10 feet wide. And the lilac tree, if it's gone, if it's a true lilac tree, they have somewhat of a limited life. They don't live a whole, they're not like a lilac shrub. If you had a lilac shrub and it's gone, then it may be just an age factor as much as anything else. But the honeysuckle is spread by birds. They love those red berries. They eat those berries. They sit someplace like on your lilac, go to the bathroom, and then kaboom, you got a you know honeysuckle forest. Okay, now if I want to, in a different, well, I, if I use a chainsaw and cut it down to the ground, then is there something I can put in the stump rather than trying to dig it up? Yeah, you can. I mean, there is actually a stump killer. You're going to have to auger some holes down there and pour this stump killer down into the honeysuckle stump. Okay. And then if I want to re- replant a lilac in maybe a little bit different location, some of them, I, from what I understand, take seven years to bloom. What can I get that doesn't take seven years to bloom. For the most part, if you're looking at traditional lilacs, the bigger you get, the sooner it's going to be in bloom. But don't be fooled by the fact that it's in bloom when you buy it because they've been given steroids so they'll be in bloom. So people say, oh, great, a lilac. But you, you know, it's going to take a period of time before you're going to get significant number of flowers, even the biggest one you can find. So if it's got some blooms, will I get a few blooms the next year? You should get some, yes. Okay, just several years to get proficient. Right. And same thing on a mock orange? Uh, mock orange is a little quicker than a lilac. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you for your help. Yep. And let's see if we can get Bob in. Bob's in his car someplace. Bob, how are you? Hey, Mike. Good morning. Thanks for my call. I got I got an apple and peach tree. I asked you for advice in the past. Right now they're doing great. They look really good. Should I be expecting any, any uh, blossoms right now or for fruit? It, blossoms, no. Blossoms happen in the springtime, but you should have some fruit on them. I should have some fruit on them? Yeah. I got nothing. Okay. Well, it's, but they look great, but that's it. You know, so, so you know, I sprayed them well, in how, the spring. Yeah, huh? how old are they? Uh, I had actually fruit on them last year. Okay. So was that the first year you'd had them, though? No, I got a peach tree that's about six years old yeah. and, a, and an apple tree about three or four. Yeah, apple tree, you're still going to have to wait for several years. Peach tree, you should have, but it, I mean, peaches bloom so early, it could have been problematic with the weather. Could have froze, a, you know, the flower buds off of it. So I would say just be patient. If the foliage looks good, that's about all you can ask for this time of year. All right, thanks, Mike. Yep. And again, for anybody with apple trees, if you get a semi-dwarf, it's going to be about five to six years before you're going to get fruit. A dwarf is going to be four to five years. A standard size apple tree could be eight to ten years. And a peach is a little bit different than that, but still they're going to be, it's a, you know, it's a long way to actually get the fruit off this stuff. So anyway, lots of stuff going on in the outdoors. Just make sure that you take time in your own yard, in your own landscape, that you t- enjoy it. I mean, I make sure that every day that I'm out working, I spend the last half hour or so just kind of, you know, sitting and doing nothing. Of course, Tracy says, you're not doing nothing. You're getting up and doing this, which is true. But I, you know, I try to make sure that I can enjoy the outdoors. And whether it's humid or not, I don't really care. I prefer this over the cold. So bring on this uh, you know, warm, hot weather. I don't mind sweating. It tastes kind of salty. But other than that, so what's the big deal? But it's been a little bit dry. Make sure you keep everything well watered. 
because it's going to be, but don't overwater. Watch out for that. Anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.